weekend. Hopefully you got the chance to watch some matches. Um, didn't get to watch as many this weekend as I wanted to. I had some stuff going on. Um, but unfortunately, I did watch the the Stuttgart-Hamburg match, and it was terrible. Um, first off, uh, Stuttgart just, I don't know, they started off the game terribly. Um, they've been having a whole lot of issues recently. This was their third loss in a row. Um, they've lost to Wiesbaden, Kiel, and now to Hamburg. Uh, but this game was an embarrassment. I mean, the final score ended up being 6-2. to two. Um, Stuttgart had an own goal. There was, you know, a little glimmer of a possibility they could get back in the game after they were down 2-0. Stuttgart scored. Gonzalez actually scored in the 33rd. Um, they were down 2-1. to one. And then three minutes later, Hamburg scores again. And it was basically over after that. The next goal that was scored was an own goal scored by Stuttgart. So, um, like I said, it ended up being 6-1. to one, And it they just looked terrible. I mean... I don't even know what else to say. You give up six goals in one game. And then the really bad part about it is this game was on Saturday in Hamburg. And then Stuttgart plays Hamburg again tomorrow in the Deutsche Pokal um, for the, the German like domestic league cup. Um, and if Saturday was, you know, like any kind of microcosm of what's going to happen tomorrow, it's, Stuttgart's not going to be in the Deutsche Pokal. So uh, after tomorrow, um, hopefully they can do something, you know, change up their formation or something because uh, they were they were running a four, one, two, one, two. Bad Stuber wasn't playing, but uh, I mean, I don't know. They they had like 65 percent possession during the game and they gave up six goals. I mean, they had five shots on target. But uh, I just I don't know. I mean, this is three losses in a row. They were sitting on top comfortably on top of the table. Now they've fallen down to third. So now they're not even in the automatic promotion spot anymore. Now they're in the the promotion playoff spot, which last year they were on the other side of where they were in the relegation playoff. Um, Yeah, I, I, I just I didn't think I mean, yes, Hamburg is a good team. You know, they're another team that, you know, recently fell out of the Bundesliga, the first Bundesliga. But I didn't think that it was going to be that bad, you know. I mean, I understand giving up a penalty early totally changes the way that a team has to play, changes their strategy a little bit. But uh, it's not like they went down to 10 men or something like that. So, I don't know. They they just got embarrassed. And I just hope that tomorrow it, it doesn't end up being, you know, similar to uh, to how it was on Saturday. But... You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I hope for everybody else that your teams, you know, had a, had a good weekend. Um, you know, we'll just see how things are for uh, for Stuttgart tomorrow. And, you know, they'll play again um, this coming weekend. And uh, I don't know. Hopefully they can bounce back. It just doesn't look good. They're playing Dynamo's Zagreb at home on Saturday, uh, November 2nd. And, you know, I don't know. They're just doing terribly. Dynamo's of Greb right now is in second to last place in the second Bundesliga. Uh, but that doesn't mean anything because, you know, Stuttgart lost to um, Wiesbaden a couple weeks ago. 
and they were in last place. They're actually still in last place. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what they need to do. Uh, it, it's it's so sad to see. I mean, I understand. You know, teams are going to lose games. You know, it's a tough season. It's starting to get a little cold here. The weather's changing or whatever. Um, but uh, just seeing them fall out of the Bundesliga last year and now to be struggling because you know after losing three games in a row, I guess you could say they're struggling in the second Bundesliga is not what I expected. Um, I just I just want a little bit more. <laughs> I just want them to hopefully maybe do something in the winter market. Hopefully they're looking for somebody. The team still doesn't even have a president right now. Um, I did get an email because I'm a member, um, like a club member. Um, so there's going to be a vote coming up. I got invited to the vote. I probably won't go, but because um, the last one ended kind of in a fiasco where there was supposed to be voting, and then somehow magically the uh, the Wi-Fi went down in the stadium. So you know all the members that were there were not allowed to cast their vote, and I, that was back in like August, I think, or maybe even like the end of July, and they pushed it back. Um, to now um, and it's coming up I think it's November 7th but like I said I'm probably not going to go um, but we'll see I mean hopefully you know they get somebody in there that's that's pretty good and actually gives a shit about the team and you know, hopefully we can start to make some changes I mean I know what changes I would make you know I've expressed some of them on the show uh, but we'll see we'll see what happens I mean it's all we can do is wait and you know hope things get better So now I want to talk about the the new version of the FIFA Club World Cup that's going to be starting in 2021. So um, the up until like well until 2021, the FIFA Club World Cup is held every December. You know it's been kind of bouncing around. It's been like in the UAE. I think there was a couple times it was in Morocco, Japan, um, but it was every year. And I know I've talked about this before on the podcast, but. Uh, they would take the six champions from the varying confederations, um, the continental champions for, for club teams, and then the host nation would get to have one team. And I actually think the host nation had two, um, but it was kind of weird. It wasn't like, you know, it automatically go kind of into like a quarterfinals type thing. The European and the South American representatives wouldn't come in until the semifinal. And it's only been the European and the South Americans winning the Club World Cup, kind of like the actual FIFA World Cup. Um, so now they want to change that, make it a little bit bigger. They're getting rid of, rid of the uh, Confederations Cup. But recently, FIFA has you know finally put out some more information about how the tournament's actually going to flow. So first off, there's a host, and that'll be China in 2021. So um, it'll no longer be played in December. Um, the 2021 version we played from June to July. Um, so there's going to be 24 teams. They put out what the allocations for those will be. So let's see, Africa will get three. Um, this is for the next version. Africa will get three. Asia will get three. And that doesn't include, you know, being the host nation. Um, Europe is going to get eight. Uh, North and Central America and the Caribbean will get three. Um, Oceania will get a half of a spot um, because they will play in like a like a playoff before the tournament between 
the Oceania and the host nation. So in this case, it'll be um, another team from China, I'm assuming, or whoever is uh, whoever is representing the Chinese uh, host nation um, team that's going to play. They'll they'll play against the champions of the OFC, the Oceania. Uh, Federation, and then the winner of that will actually be in the the proper tournament. So that's why Asia could pot- potentially get four slots in there, and then um, South America will have six slots, and like I said, twenty four teams. They're they're gonna do it weird. It's not gonna be like a full tournament. I guess they're gonna instead of having, you know, they should have six groups of four, kind of like the the Euros does, um, but instead it's gonna be groups of three teams each. And it'll be eight groups, three teams, and then the winner of the eight groups will advance to the quarterfinals. And then it'll go on from there. So, I mean, you can already kind of see how that's how it's going to work. There's eight European teams, so there will be one European team in every group. And, you know, South America has the second most. So, um, you know, the smaller confederations, even though um, Africa has... Just as many countries as Europe in it, just like in the World Cup, they don't get the same representation. Um, they're actually getting the same amount of slots as uh, CONCACAF, which is kind of crazy. But I do think that th- this will be better. There'll be a, an actual, like a true, true tournament at least to determine who is the, the actual club world champion. Um, it's going to change to every four years. Um, so it won't be, you know, kind of like the, I don't want to say the crappy tournament that they have now, but the one that they have now is kind of like just so that the European and South American teams can, uh, it's set up for them to win. Um, the South Americans actually really, really take the club world cup seriously, the current version. Um, the Europeans, not so much. I remember after shortly after Liverpool won the champions league this year, there was even doubt that they were even going to show up to the club world cup this year. Um, I guess now they're going to. Um, UEFA hasn't really put out any information, or any of the confederations for that matter, haven't put out any information about how they're going to determine um, those three slots. Obviously, the continental champions should go, but because the tournament's only held every four years now, will it be... I, I don't know. They're, they may have to come up with a new playoff system for some of the, the smaller confederations, or the confederations that don't get you know, the decent amount of slots, like Europe. Europe, they can just take the last four Champions League winners and then the last four Europa League winners, and that'll be their eight. Um, or they could do Champions League because you know the, obviously the Champions League is a superior tournament in Europe. Um, they could just take the runners up of the Champions League and the champions. You know they could they could always do that instead of even involving the Europa League because it is a second tier tournament. Um, another issue though that I noticed is that the way that the the, uh, con- <clears throat> the Continental Confederation championships are set up for for like uh for national teams even so it's going to affect who goes to player wise who goes to this this new um club world cup because this year or excuse me next year in 2020 there's three continental um championships there's the euros there's the Copa America again, and then there's the OFC Nations Cup for Oceania. But then in 2021, we'll have the Africa Cup of Nations, 
and then the CONCACAF Gold Cup. And those usually take place during the summer. And now you have the FIFA Club World Cup. So something is going to have to change or, you know, there's going to be some representatives from, you know, the CONCACAF teams that aren't going to be able to participate in this new FIFA Club World Cup. Um, Be interested to see what they do. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if, because right now the Africa Cup of Nations and CONCACAF both have their continental championships every two years, whereas the Europeans do theirs um, every four years. And now the Copa America, starting in 2020, will be every four years. Because recently they had one in 2016, they just had one in 2019 this year, and then they're going to have another one next year. But the one next year is going to start the new four-year cycle. Um, so we'll see maybe CONCACAF and uh, the African nations will do the same thing um, just to sort of offset it so that it doesn't interfere with this new FIFA Club World Cup. I mean, I'm sure I don't know what the financial um, like the prizes are going to be for teams that are participating. I'm sure FIFA is going to at least for initially try to put a lot of money in it because, you know, some of the European teams are being told to not participate. Um, because they basically want the Champions League to be like the global standard. Um, so I don't know. I, I doubt that they're, uh, if FIFA can throw enough money, they'll, UEFA is not going to be able to uh, prevent teams from going to that, the new version of the, uh, the tournament. But I am interested to see it, see how they do it, see if they stick with this eight group, three team, yeah, eight, eight group, three team format. Uh, I think they should do a four, four, four team groups can't even talk they should do four team groups just do six groups exactly like they do the euros the best third place qualifiers from whatever groups will also progress kind of like the same way that portugal was able to win you know the euros in 2016 um just to make it a, a little bit more fair instead of having a european team in every single group um but maybe that was part of uh, like a consolation in order to get UEFA to push for their teams to be in this competition. Who knows? But I am interested to see how they're going to do it. Interested to see who's going to be the first champion. Um, yeah, it's a brand new tournament. So recently, um, France football put out their short list, even though it's not a short list, there's 30 people on it for the men's Ballon d'Or for 2019. And, you know, there's the the usual suspects that are on there. There's some kind of questionable names on there. And there are some, some players on there that uh, could give Ronaldo and Messi um, a run for their money. So um, I'm going to go through this list real quick. Uh, let's see. So we got Sergio Aguero from Manchester City, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold from Liverpool, uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang from Arsenal, Allison from Liverpool, Karim Benzema from Real Madrid, Kevin De Bruyne from Manchester City, uh, Frankie De Jong, um, he started, well, last year he was, or last season, I should say, he was playing with uh, Ajax, and then he moved to Barcelona after the transfer um, during the summer. Uh, Matthias De Ligt, also he was from Arsenal, or excuse me, Ajax, and during the summer he moved over to Juventus. And there's Jao Felix, um, same thing. He was playing for Benfica the first half of the year, and then he switched over to Atletico Madrid. Uh, Roberto Firmino, Liverpool. Antoine Griezmann, 
Started with uh, Atletico Madrid. Now he's at Barcelona. Eden Hazard was with Chelsea. Now he's with uh, Real Madrid. Um, Kaladu Kalibali from Napoli. Robert Lewandowski from Bayern Munich. Hugo Lloris from uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Raid Mares from Manchester City. Sadio Mane from Liverpool. Marquinhos from PSG. Uh, Kylian Mbappe also from Paris Saint-Germain. Lionel Messi from Barcelona. Cristiano Ronaldo for Juventus, Mohamed Salah from Liverpool, Bernardo Silva from Manchester City, uh, Son from Tottenham Hotspur, Raheem Sterling from Manchester City, Dusan Tadic from Ajax, uh, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen from Barcelona, Donny van der Beek from Ajax, Virgil van Dijk from Liverpool, and Wijnaldum from Liverpool. So those are all the names and the breakdowns by country. Let's see, so the Netherlands have five players, France has four, Portugal and Brazil have three, Argentina, England, Senegal, and Belgium have two, Serbia, Gabon, Germany, South Korea, Algeria, Egypt, and Poland each have one. Um, So, you know, if you don't know what the Ballon d'Or is, it's the award presented by uh, France football for the, the best player in the world. Um... You know, the Ballon d'Or is it's an individual award in a team sport. So, you know, some people take it with a grain of salt. Same thing with the like the FIFA Best Award or the UEFA Player of the Year, um, because, you know, a goalkeeper obviously is not going to have the uh, the stats or even the highlights of a forward. You know, I mean, so we have like Ter Stegen that's in there. Great goalkeeper. You know, Manuel Neuer is not on there, but. He's not scoring the goals like Ronaldo, Mbappe, Messi, um, you know, Salah. So they're not going to get the, the notoriety that those other players will. So it, it's, it's kind of hard. It's, it's almost like comparing like a quarterback in American football with a center. You know, they're both vital, but most people cannot name a center for any team in the National Football League. But everybody can name off probably at least... 15 quarterbacks names if you watch American football that is but it's a similar situation so there's the people that actually score versus the people that are important to the play but they may not be may not be household names um let's see look at this breakdown for you know by team by club team so Liverpool have seven which makes sense you know they won the Champions League last year Uh, Manchester City have five Barcelona has four Ajax, Paris Saint-Germain, Tottenham Hotspur, Real Madrid, and Juventus have two. Arsenal, Atletico Madrid, Bayern Munich, and Napoli all have one. So I know when I first uh, started this podcast, I remember saying that uh, I think that Virgil van Dijk has a really, really good chance of winning the, um, the Ballon d'Or. Of course, that was shortly after the Champions League. You know, he had this... You know, great defensive stats from last year. Uh, now it's it's a new season, even though the Ballon d'Or is given out for calendar year. <clears throat> but I don't know. Um, I've seen a lot of people endorsing Sadio Mane. I mean, he had a great season last year. Um, I would say it's hard to separate him from, you know, people like Obama Yang, um, Griezmann. Um, so uh, while I hate to say that 
I don't like seeing Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi constantly winning it. Last year we had that. Um, but last year's winner is not even nominated this year. Um, it was Modric last year for Real Madrid. Uh, but he had a great, you know, World Cup, even though they didn't end up winning it. They lost to France, you know, him playing for Croatia. But like I said, he's not even he wasn't even nominated this year. So, um, you know, once we get closer, probably like the end of November, they'll put out the like the final three of who it's going to be. I, to be honest with you, I couldn't even tell you who who would be there in that final three. I would assume Messi, Mane and maybe Van Dyke. Um, but it's it, it's hard to say. Um, I don't know. But, you know, it is an individual award in a team sport, so it doesn't really doesn't mean anything. Um, but it is interesting to, interesting to see some of the people. I mean, there was a couple of names on here that surprised me, like Vanderbeek from Ajax. I definitely didn't expect to see him on there. Same thing with Hugo Lloris. Um, Jao Felix. Before he moved to Atletico Madrid, I really had never heard anything about him. Um, but then, you know, there's players like Kevin De Bruyne, who doesn't score much, but this guy sets up you know, a lot of goals. I mean, he, he makes some amazing passes, but you know, it's not getting you on the score sheet. I mean, yeah, you'll get the assist, but that doesn't really, that doesn't really mean anything. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. I'd be interested to see what you guys think. Uh, let me know who you think is going to be in your, the final three or who you think is going to be, um, the winner of the Ballon d'Or this year. And we'll find out, I think in the first week of December, who it'll be. MLS playoffs are slowly coming to an end. Um, last week we had the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the conference semifinals. Um, that my MLS team, NYCFC, being forced to play in City Field. Um, they lost to Toronto. Um, I thought New York had the chance to do something this year. I mean, you know, they made it to the conference semis. Um, which isn't too bad, you know, but they did have that uh, the first round bye because they were the number one team in the Eastern Conference, but uh, they were one and done in the playoffs. Um, and the other game, we had uh, the defending MLS champions, Atlanta United. Uh, they made quick work of uh, Philadelphia Union, winning 2-0. to zero. Um, So Atlanta and Toronto will meet um, later this week, or actually I think, believe it's tomorrow or Wednesday. Uh, that they'll play. Um, they'll be playing in Toronto. Um, and then for the Western Conference, we had another El Trafico between uh, Los Angeles FC or LAFC and the LA Galaxy. Um, I believe this was the first time that the Galaxy have lost to LAFC. Um, thought Zlatan would be able to do a little bit more. So I'm assuming this that was his last game with... Uh, LA Galaxy, but LAFC won five to three. A lot of goals, eight goal match. Um, so yeah, I think uh, Zlatan's gonna be moving back to uh, back to Italy. I say back, but you know he went from England to the LA Galaxy. But he'll he has played in Italy before. I think he's gonna go back there. Who knows where? Maybe Napoli. Um, and LAFC is moving on. So I mean they're doing well, doing quite well. 
Um, let's see, in the other semifinal, we had the Seattle Sounders. Um, they defeated Real Salt Lake 2-0. to zero. So LAFC will be hosting the Seattle Sounders. Um, and if LA happens to make it to the final, and I think Toronto is going to beat Atlanta, uh, that'll be father versus son. Um, the, the Bradley family. Um you know, Bob Bradley is a coach of uh, LAFC, and then Michael Bradley is the captain of Toronto FC. So we'll see. I mean, I'm sure that's what the media will play up to if that if that does happen. Um, I mean, it'd be nice to see LAFC versus uh, Atlanta FC. You know, the defending champions who were, it was their first year in the league last year when they won it versus the newest team now in the MLS. Um, it, it would just be really good to see. You know, we'll see what happens. Um, I have no clue who is going to win it all, though. I mean, still a lot of good teams left in that. Um, but switching over to South America, to the uh, Copa Libertadores. Um, last year, I don't know if everybody remembers this, but it was um, River Plate versus Boca Juniors in the final. Two teams that absolutely hate each other from Argentina. Um Back then, this was when they played a two-leg final. Um, there were some issues with the, the second leg, you know, fans disrupting the game, fights breaking out and whatever. Um, but River ended up winning it. Uh, but now River is back in the final for the second year in a row. Um, but they played Boca in the, the semifinals, so there would be no repeat of last year. This year, also in the Copa Libertadores, it's a, it's a one-off final. So it'll be held in Santiago, Chile, but we have uh, Flamingo from Brazil playing against River Plate from Argentina. Um, I don't know. I, I think River's going to end up winning it. Um, I think that Boca was probably the team that uh, would have given them the most trouble, and they got rid of them, even though Flamengo beat Grêmio uh, 6-1 on aggregate in the other semifinal. Um, yeah. I didn't get to see any of these games live. I watched the, the highlights from them, um, but I'm going to try to, it's on the 23rd of November. I'm going to try to watch the, uh, the final between Flamingo and River Plate. Should be a good game. I do like watching the, uh, the South American games on TV. They seem like they're a little bit more lively. The fans are more into it than, you know, watching matches over here in Europe. Um, it just seems like the whole stadium is involved. I don't know, but I'm looking forward to that. MLS obviously will be ending a lot sooner than uh, the Copa Libertadores. MLS, the final, the MLS Cup match is on November 10th. And then two weeks later, we'll have the, the Copa, Copa, Copa Libertadores. I can't even say it. Copa Libertadores final in Santiago, Chile. But uh, yeah, a lot of good soccer left. So this is going to be a shorter episode. Didn't go over any scores. Um, so I had a, a conversation with a good friend of mine about the podcast. And he does not follow football, soccer. Um, he's actually right now living in the U.S. He's on the East Coast. Um, even though the MLS season is over, I told him, you know, you have an MLS team not too far away from you. Um He's in the Northeast, like I said. He's not too far from the the 
New England Revolution. Um, but I also told them that, you know, the European season, you know, is different from um, the MLS calendar. <clears throat> so there's still a lot of soccer left in Europe to be played. You know, the champions of the leagues won't be determined until um, May of next year. Um, so he's trying to, you know, get into the game and figure out which team um, he's going to support. Um, I've always kind of been like a guy to like a smaller team, you know, because for me, like if if you're a supporter of a team that's constantly winning, I think that gets boring. And I mean, I've experienced that in my life. You know, I'm a New Yorker. I've been a Yankees fan my whole life. Of course, they haven't really been winning recently. But when I was younger, they were doing a lot of winning and it was it was actually kind of boring. You started to take it for granted. There wasn't the struggle that uh, that comes with not being a good team and then you know overcoming and you know winning a championship but for somebody that's just getting into the game um you're gonna want to be exposed to teams that are you know doing well there's a lot of press it'll be easier for you to follow them and then you know maybe on maybe later on you'll you know link up with like a really small team and you know watch them progress from maybe a second division to a first division or whatever so i gave him a few suggestions on teams that he should, you know, follow. There's been like three really decent uh, docu series that have been on Netflix and Amazon Prime. There's the um, Sunderland Till I Die on Netflix, and then on Amazon Prime there is the docu series about Leeds, Leeds United, uh, which is really good. And then there's the one about Manchester City, which is also really really good on Amazon Prime. Um, but he was basically telling me that for somebody like him that doesn't follow the game, that I should, you know, maybe take like a, an episode a month dedicated solely to like, you know, educating maybe people that don't know too much about the game. Not saying that I know everything, but, you know, I know a little bit. Um, so I think that's going to be something that I'm going to start in the future. Um, and I would like to hear from you guys. Let me know what it is that you... Um, I don't know that you would want to hear that you would want to learn maybe something that you have seen or experienced in a game that you've watched that you didn't understand or just if you just want like a basic explanation of how the game's played what happens during the 90 minutes what happens during the entire experience um you know from the, the first whistle to the last whistle and after the last fan has left the stadium just let me know you know i've been to a lot of games in my life watched a lot of games read a lot about the game um, so yeah, so just let me know. Um, as I mentioned last week, I've changed the Instagram and Twitter and email for the podcast. Um, so the Instagram is the number 90 underscore P L U S underscore E T. So 90 underscore plus E T. Um, the Twitter is at the number 90, the word plus E T. And the email address is 90 spelled out plus et at gmail.com so again i think i messed that up 90 p-l-u-s-e-t at gmail.com i'd love to hear from you guys i'm going to put all the instagram twitter and uh email information in the show description um but like i said i'd love to hear from you guys and also i don't know who you people are <laughs> i really appreciate it right now uh, my listeners in france you guys are my number one listeners you guys are listening to i think 32 percent of my of my total listens which i think is insane um i'd love to hear from you guys 
French people and everybody else that's listening. Um, let me know how you think I can improve the podcast, what you want to hear. If you just want to drop a note and say hi, um, that's cool too. And I will talk to you guys next week. Um, the Champions League will be back next week. Um, so I hope you guys have a great week. Enjoy some football. And uh, thanks for listening. All right, bye.